The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery Offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery Here's Rev. Dan Beckett Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad that you're with us today. I'm Rev. Dan Beckett here with our co-host, Rev. Michelle Vargas. Today, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled God Awareness. This may be our very favorite topic. Yes. In addiction recovery, we learn that not only do we need a higher power in our lives, but we need to make conscious contact with that power. And for many who are new to a spiritual way of living, this can feel like an insurmountable task. Like, what if I don't believe in God? And even if I do, how is it possible to be in contact with God consciously anyway? Today, we want to share a path to peace through prayer and the experience of God in our lives. So we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with talking about the spiritual tools and principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from isolation into peace through the principle or the spiritual practice, let's say, of, of prayer and meditation. So when I think about my life prior to, uh, you know, a spiritual way of living, I guess right. we'd call it spiritual yeah. principles. Uh, so I was that uh, person that on the outside looked very calm and cool, but it was a different story on the inside. Uh-huh. I had a very busy mind. You know, I remember it was not uncommon for people to say things to me like, oh, you're so mellow, you know. It's like, well, you're not in my head, so you don't know what's going <laughs> on in here because there's a lot going on yeah, uh, up in my mind. So, yeah, I mean, I was definitely quiet, and I'm still quiet, and I still value quietness. And, you know, peace, and I'm not a person that's seeking a lot of, um, 
you know, like busyness, even driving across town, it has a price for me because it's, it's, if there's too much happening at once and I'm fine as long as I can come back to a place that is quiet and peaceful to kind of recharge that. I mean, that's just in the, that's being an introvert in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like peace, like quiet, but also had a lot of anxiety and also depression. We've talked mm-hmm. before about that sort of worst kind of anxiety is this free floating, not tied seemingly to any particular thing, yes. just this free floating life anxiety. Uh, that was no fun on and off with, um, you know, what I would have to call mild depression. I, I did yeah. not experience the kind of depression where I would not get out of bed or could not do anything. I might feel lazy. I might procrastinate a lot of stuff um, and feel down, you know, mm-hmm. kind of that gray cloud following you around. That's how it felt to me. Yeah. But it's not, I, I, it's important to me when I talk about depression that I acknowledge that I, I did not have that debilitating level of depression that some people do, and I don't mean to say that I did. Yeah. Um, I had kind of a, uh, a persistent low-grade, just like the anxiety, persistent yeah. low-grade, troubling, problematic, yes, um, and no fun, that's right. for sure. Yes, well, I have the very same thing, had and continue sometimes to have the very same thing. Um, that low-grade chronic depression, which I wouldn't say that I'm like depressed all the time, but it's um, not by any stretch. I'm actually a pretty, you know, happy person. But it's it, it's like my alcoholism. It do, it hasn't. It's not gone away. I've just learned how to manage it. I've learned how to live with it. And the other thing is, I've learned how to become aware of it. So now I know what it is. Whereas before, I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, I didn't know why I felt that way. It helps. It can be quite helpful to have, you know, a sort of label for something and be like, oh, this is what's going on. Because now when I start to feel it, I can I can say to myself, oh, there's my depression. I feel it, you know, Um, and either just let it be what it is and let it pass, knowing that it will pass or, um, you know, take one of the various tools I have um, at my disposal now that I can use, you know, to to manage it better um again i didn't have the you know super debilitating depression but there but you know chronic low-grade depression is no joke either because it's like living with it constantly and anxiety as well and again what i'm realizing lately is like i i'm learning to recognize you know if i'm just feeling like not good and i don't know why i'm learning to be like oh that's my anxiety you know so I I talk a lot on this program about awareness and that's one of my big things is it's not like when I become aware of these things, they magically vanish, but my awareness of them, and we are going to be talking about meditation today, which is where a lot of my awareness has come from that practice. um, Awareness really helps me because I can say, there it is. That's what it is. And um, it becomes less scary. And some of it diminishes just by naming it and becoming aware of it. So, yeah, I, I did have that going on, and um, I don't think I would have called it isolation, but um, it definitely has an isolating effect. Yeah. I also had no, you know, I had no spiritual life, and that was isolating. I was I was isolated from 
the universe sort of from from the spiritual whole of things you know I just I didn't have that I didn't have a belief in a higher power I didn't have a spiritual community to be a part of I didn't have spiritual conversations with people it just wasn't a part of my life my life was my life was very intellectual and academic and um, so that was isolating you know in that way to not have anything spiritual going on really yeah, I find spirituality uh, has it's been central for me and has been super helpful with all kinds of stuff in my life, including uh, the depression and anxiety, which today I don't experience it. I am familiar with it. Um, I don't experience it as much. And kind of like you were saying, it doesn't it's not like a big mysterious out of nowhere. I don't know what to do thing. Like it used to be. I, I know what it is. Um, I have done enough work just in self-development, spiritual growth in general, that uh, today I can I can truthfully say it's not a problem. When before, when it would happen, it felt like everything, you know, it was a huge problem. Um, and if, you know, if I'm, if I hit a day where I'm just not feeling that energetic and I don't really feel like doing much and nothing seems that fun who cares, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I say, it's not a problem. That's just how I feel right now. It's like the weather, it's going to change. Going it to always change. does. It always has. Yeah. So this is just what's happening at the moment. So I can sit on the couch and play a video game if I want to, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. Um, and, and I think the part of it is that the work that I've done um, through, uh, you know, recovery and, uh, individual counseling and prayer and meditation and all that has helped me not to compound it. Right. You know, I don't get, um, it's, it's that thing the Buddhists talk about where, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Yeah. I don't compound, um, the way I feel by calling it a problem and making it worse and sort of multiplying it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like you, I think it still happens, but it's not a problem. It's not an issue. I don't, it doesn't run my life, I guess is right. what I'm saying. It's, you know, manageable. I feel like it's almost an understatement. Yes. I mean, I do and can manage it, but that's, that's, uh, that's not strong enough. It's, it's way better than that, but mm -hmm. I don't know if I have a way to, to describe it yeah I think I still struggle with it a little bit more than that but like I say um, having recognized what it is is very helpful and I think what you said is really important it's like the weather it will change and you know of course we're speaking from our own experience and we do not assume to be speaking for what others experience because this right. is serious stuff and there are people that you know if they're in a deep depression, cannot just say, well, this will pass. I, I totally get that. Oh, yeah. I've had small glimpses of that and I, I get that. Um, but it has helped me when I feel, when I'm starting to feel depressed to know that that's what's happening and that it is temporary for me anyway, it's temporary because before I would think, you know, when I was in it, it's like, Oh, this is never going to change, you know? And now I know that it will change and I can just, you know, do all the various things I know to do, you know, exercise a little more, meditate more, eat some healthy food, get plenty of sleep 
and again, I am not trying to say that those things are cures for major clinical depression because I, I realize that they are not. Um, we're talking about a much lower grade level of depression than that. But those are the things that I do to help manage it and just knowing that it's not going. It's like so many things in life. You know, uh, if I'm feeling just whatever, just whatever I'm feeling that feels, you know, pretty uncomfortable or unbearable at the time, I've learned that it's not going to stay that way forever. You know, like we say over and over in the program, this too shall pass. Um, so many things are temporary. In fact, it's all temporary, really. And so that that can help me a little bit when I'm in it. But when you're really in it, man, it just sucks. There's just no way to say that it doesn't. But now I have a spiritual life on board that I didn't have before. And that is what keeps me from that horrible, isolating feeling, you know, um, I can't imagine, it's hard for me to even imagine what it was like when I had no God in my life, because God is everything to me now. It's my whole life. And so this idea of going through life without, you know, no wonder I lived in a ton of fear and worry, you know, just, and, and again, that feeling we talk about so much, you know, feeling like I had to go it alone, like I was, you know, single-handedly powering through my life and had to, you know, hold up the universe in my own hands and, um, that's very isolating and I don't feel that way anymore now. You know, I, I have this spiritual presence that is always with me and that I can tune into whenever I take the time or whenever I need to. And we'll be talking about that more in just a minute. So that's what gets me out of isolation. Yeah, I like that. And as I listen to you share that, I realized and remembered that. Uh, so I have... I have a variety of practices and approaches to, you know, what do we say, maintaining my spiritual condition. Mm -hmm. And one of them is uh, medication. And so I, I would be lying by omission if I failed to say that um, I do take and have taken, you know, in working closely with a physician, yeah. uh, medication for depression that's changed my life. Yeah, and so absolutely. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but, you know... Uh, going to a doctor for help is certainly one thing that has worked for me, in yeah. addition to learning to live a, you know, a spirit-centered life, in addition to working a 12-step program and kind of recrafting my whole worldview around those uh, spiritual principles that are involved there. All, all of the above, Right. but it also includes medication for me. Yes. Another way I would isolate, and this is very common, um, you know, I got to where I would, I was drinking, uh, by myself, right? No, I didn't require, it was, I did not require the presence of any other people. And I had a, I had a program friend. I, I loved what she shared that her sponsor told her like early on, you know, some of us would be like, I don't have a drinking problem. You know, I just like to party. Come on. You don't want to be boring. Her sponsor said to her, you know, the word party means there's more than one person there. Don't you realize that? <laughs> it does. Oh, it's a new word then. But yeah, that's, uh, I have found many, many of us have that exact same experience of uh, end up for whatever reason at some point um, drinking alone. But I think I've talked over our time because okay. we've talked a lot about isolation 
I'm, I got isolated in my head maybe, but we need to, <laughs> as we always do, and I love this part because it's really important. We have to acknowledge the challenge and tell the truth about it, but then we have to move out of yes. the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principles that we're talking about today that really helped us get out of isolation and into a life of what we would probably call peace, right, is the spiritual tool of prayer and meditation so central to our unity program and to the 12-step program. I'm trying to find my own way with it too, and I think each of us does have to find our own way. So... Let's talk about what does that mean for you? What does prayer and meditation mean to you in unity? We often combine those two terms. They're right. very similar. Um, what is it for you? Wow. So there's so much to this. This is a topic we could talk about for quite some time. Um, first thing I want to say is that it can mean so many different things to different people. You know, there are so many different types of prayer and so many different types of meditation. And one thing that I teach is that there is no right way to do either one of them. There's no, you know, so-called right way to pray that makes you any better than anyone else. Yeah. There's no right way to meditate. You can't do it right. You can't do it wrong. Um, the thrust behind prayer and meditation basically is, you know, trying to open up that channel, that experience of the presence of God. And so how can we possibly tell someone how the proper way is to do that? It's very individual. And, um, you know, for me over the years, it has looked different at different times in my life. You know, when I got sober, I was very new to spirituality. All I knew was like, you know, kind of wrote prayers and things like that. And we have some of those in the 12 step recovery program. We have, you know, I, I really like the third step prayer and, you know, we like the serenity prayer and things like that. And so I used a lot of that at the beginning and my prayer life has changed very much over the years. Let's say that it's in flux. It's always changing, you know, and it's something that I feel like I always have more to learn about. I'm always wanting to, I'm very fascinated by prayer and how different people pray and how different cultures pray. Um, I find all of that really, really interesting. The super most ironic thing, which just proves to me once again that the universe has an impeccable sense of humor, is that I was someone that never meditated, you know, and now I actually teach meditation in my community. So if that isn't just the weirdness of life, I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's a big change. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. You know, when I think about this and, and as I listen to you share, I realize that this is something that I had to discover rather than learn, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And I think that, that we do, we discover what prayer and meditation mean to us by undertaking a practice. You know, it's not all vague. There are uh, definite things that we can do, but the purpose of doing them is to sort of let it unfold, I think, mm -hmm. uh, within us. And like you're saying, and, and it will shift and change over time. I mean, how could it not? Right. And I agree with you. There's no wrong way to go yeah. about it. If I'm, if you're doing it, then you're doing it right. Um, one thing that helps me was is to differentiate what I call talking prayers from what I might call listening prayers. Yeah. And in our unity movement, uh, you know, the kind of prayer that you might lead in front of a group is is really almost like 
you know, here's how we would do it if we were turning within silently. Right. And we usually get to that point. Um, but it's more of an observation or a listening or just being present mm -hmm. rather than a, you know, a conversation. Although a conversation can work just fine too. Right. But I have gotten um, the way that it, that it is for me now is, is mainly a, mainly on the meditation side yeah. with uh, just turning within and noticing is probably the best word, noticing what is going on. Um, you know, within me watching sort of that, you know, we have this endless monologue in our heads, the running that, commentary that, that I think, you know, I used to think that's who I am. Yeah. And sometimes I'm sure I still do think that's who I am, yeah. but I have enough separation from it now to realize, well, th that's just something that I created, uh, that helps me in the world, but I have the ability to uh, experience other than that. And so that, you know, that can go on and do what it does and that's fine. It's like I've shared before. It's like, I think of it as like traffic noise from a nearby road. I, I can't go and stand in the road and make every call, all the cars stop driving. Right. right. But I can stop focusing on the cars on the road and just let it be what it is and let my attention rest elsewhere. Yep. That is a simple yet challenging practice, but I have found it very healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also not not waving the car down and getting in it and driving off in it, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> like I sometimes say to people, you know, our thoughts are like trains going by, but we don't have to get on every train, you know, because they're, right. they're, they're sort of going by calling out all aboard, you know, they want you to get on and ride them and and so we could just observe them going by and not get on every single one of them. I like that. Yeah. And sometimes it works real well and sometimes it doesn't. And what, what I've learned and what I, you know, teach is that, um, like we've said here, there is no right way. To, you, you can't sort of win at meditation, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you There's won no, meditation you today. You're black done. Belt, right? No. And, and, you know, that I'm sure that if you talk to the Dalai Lama, he would tell you that when he sits down to meditate, his mind starts generating thoughts too, because, yeah. you know, so the goal, at least of the kind of meditation that I do, which is basically a mindfulness, you know, loose mindfulness practice, the goal is not to not think that's not the goal, exactly. you know, which is, which would not be a very good goal anyway, because it's impossible. You know, it's impossible to not think that's just it's the nature of our minds to continue generating thoughts. So it's that process of disengaging a little bit from the thoughts so that we can see them as separate from us as not being who we are. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is a lifetime practice. That is a lifetime practice. You know, it's not something that we uh, master, really, you know. Um, it's something that it's a practice. That's why we call it a practice. That's what I love. You know, meditation is practicing. You sit down every day to practice. You don't sit down to, um, to master it perform. or to do What's that? Perform. To you perform. Don't, don't, right. It's not a performance. It's always it's a, a practice. practice. So, um, let's see what I want to say about this. Cause I could talk a lot about meditation. Um, what about formal and informal? That's something that's helped me a, a great deal is to acknowledge. And, and uh, you know, I've had teachers teach it explicitly. There are 
there are sort of formal prayer practices and then there are informal. Uh, I am way better at informal. You know, I am one uh, where my experience has been that my life is my practice and that everything that comes up in my life is an opportunity to observe what is going on uh, and where all this is coming from. So very briefly, a formal prayer practice would be like a sitting practice. Like each morning when I wake up, you know, maybe I have a certain chair or something and I set my timer and some people, you know, have a little bell or something. So, but, but it's more structured. Right. An informal prayer practice is literally just whenever it comes up, whenever mm-hmm. it occurs to me, I will take um, what Eckhart Tolle called a conscious breath. All that means is I breathe and I pay attention to mm-hmm. what that experience is like. That's it. Yeah. And what he said, and I agree with him about this, what he said, if if you just do this conscious breath whenever it occurs to you, yeah. to do it, it will change your life. Absolutely. You don't have to make a plan. You don't have to set a timer. You just yeah. have to set an intention. And uh, that's what I, that's how I have found it to be. You can, you can do a breath at a stoplight, right? Keep your eyes open and just, Mm -hmm. you know, notice what's going on or notice that there's more happening than that train that's always going by. That's always seems to be selling something or inviting me into some kind of uh, controversy or, um, you know, upset of the moment or whatever drama is the word I'm looking for you know, inviting me into whatever drama is going on. Yeah. And watch that train go by and just say, yeah. <laughs> far out, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, prayer and meditation is is any time that we're becoming consciously aware of our lives, you know, any time that we're getting out of, you know, that autopilot, that sort of, you know, robotic way of being and becoming aware becoming present and that's the that's the practice and that's also the gift of it the gift of it is that we get to become aware of our lives and not miss our lives not miss what's going on you know how many times have I been out you know hiking or something and I'm very focused on I don't know I'm writing my next sermon in my head or I'm I'm focused on I don't know something else and all of a sudden I have this moment of sort of coming to and it's like oh here I am. And look at, look at those beautiful wild irises blooming and look at that bird flitting from branch to branch. And I was missing all of it because I was checked out. So for me, it's really that becoming aware, waking up and becoming present. And as we know, and as we teach in unity, that is where the presence of God lives. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking. We're practicing the presence of God because when I stop with the train, I can actually experience it. But let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. 
Yes, welcome back, and we're glad you're with us. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first that feeling of isolation when we weren't connected and we weren't present. And then we started to talk about the practice of prayer and meditation and the various ways that that can look for us, for us and for all of us. So let's talk now about how prayer and meditation helped us to move from a feeling of being isolated to a feeling of peace, happy, joyous, and free as we love to affirm. I do love that saying. That's one of the many yeah. uh, sayings that I appreciate about our program. And I'm about to share another one. And you may have heard this before, but I, it, to me, it says it all. It's If I had one tool, it's this one, one day at a time, one yeah. day at a time. It might be one minute at a time, maybe one hour, maybe five minutes at a time. But if I can, as we say, keep my head where my feet are, which is a kind of colorful way of saying to remain in the present moment, don't get on that train. <laughs> Have you ever been on the train thinking about how you want to make sure you don't get on the train? And then I look around and realize, how long have I been on this stupid train? <laughs> uh, a minute ago, I was on a bench in the station feeling so great that I wasn't getting on the train and all of a sudden I'm on the train and I've been on here a while and I don't know what happened. Yeah, It's okay. You know, one day, one day at a time, it's okay. Tomorrow's another day. Uh, we put one foot in front of the other. So prayer and meditation has helped me move out of isolation and into a way of peace. Uh, literally just one moment at a time. I stopped looking for a, you know, like a baseball bat, heavy solution to things mm -hmm. anymore. And I realized that the path forward was not sort of a bold and loud and, you know, I'm going to smash the wall with a bat kind of thing. It was much more subtle than that. It was in each moment. It was returning to a prayer practice. It's setting an intention to be awake and aware. It was making a commitment to being sober. I mean, I can't forget that. It's been some time, but, you know, that was the very, probably the, the, the very first thing that I did that I was then able to build upon is literally make a commitment to being sober. And what that meant was I was going to participate in this uh, recovery program. And I was not a person that liked to participate in things in general. I would be the one watching what's going on, not the one uh, jumping into the middle of everything. But I was willing to participate in my own recovery. Anyway, built from there. So one day at a time, there's no magic bullet. Uh, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow enlightened, you know, and that's all fine. I just do the next indicated thing. As you said, the saying is do the next right thing. But it's, it's the next thing that's clear. You know, the, the next uh, indicated thing. I don't have a better word than that. Yeah. 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 Well, I talked at the beginning about how my life before uh, recovery and before spirituality was uh, marked by a lot of fear and worry. And so 
that's not peace, right? That's not peaceful at all. In fact, that's probably the polar but, opposite of peace. Yeah, for me it is. And so the third step was very profound for me. I've talked about that a lot. And the third step prayer. And so that was often in my early sobriety, that was my prayer most of the time was I would be worried or stressed out about something. And then someone would tell me those famous words, turn it over. And so that would be my prayer. But my prayer would be more like, God, please take this thing from me. <laughs> take it, please. You know, and... um I had to do that a lot. So the thing is, is what I found was that when I turned things over, um, you know, my understanding of what that meant a long time ago was probably different than it is now. I probably, you know, admittedly had more of an idea that like, if I just said these words, you know, you know, if I just turned it over that God was going to take it from me and make it all better. And I've come to see it a little more complex than that. Um, although there is a certain truth to that simplicity that by turning, by releasing and letting it go to my higher self, to my higher power, to, to the universe, um, things are going to get better. So, but I don't mean to imply that God is like this, you know, reaches down and like taps a magic wand and fixes everything because yeah, it's not a magic anymore. Right. Exactly. Like I said, in my sermon this past Sunday, God is not a dispenser of goods, like a, you know, like a um, gumball machine or something. It's not, you know, you don't just like say a prayer and then open it up to see what pops out of the machine. But when I started to turn things over and released that grip, that horrible grip that I had on things, um, I found so much relief in that. Not only did I find relief, but I found that things did ultimately go fine. They maybe didn't go the way I thought they were going to, or the way I thought in my human mind was the best way for them to go. But ultimately they, they were, when I say they were okay, I, this is complex stuff. I'm not meaning that like, oh, everything was fine. I certainly had, man, my first couple of years, I had some pretty big challenges in recovery, but turning it over helped it to go more smoothly, helped it to what we were talking about last week to, I was learning to allow allow life to unfold rather than forcing it myself, thinking that I had to make certain things happen. I was learning to loosen that grip and let life unfold. And then however it unfolded, I would just deal with that then, you know, but it always went better when I did that is what I'm trying to say. And not only did it go better, I was released from that horrible fear and worry that had gripped so much of my life before that. And so that was peace to me, you know. Absolutely, still is. That still that's is. Big, that's a big win <laughs> for yes. me. If I don't have to carry it around, you know, if I can let let it go, and whether letting it go means turning it over to God, putting it in the God can, you know, leaving it by the side of the road, metaphorically, or, or whatever works. That's another, yeah. you know, talking before about this is a path of discovery. And so what might work for you may or may not work for me, but I can try it yep. and see, and I'll find my, my own way. And in, in fact, that reminded me of another way that prayer and meditation has helped me move out of isolation into peace is it, you know, with the loving support of other people, I can't go off in a corner and get sober. I mean, it wouldn't work for me. Trust me, if I could, I would love to have done it that way. That would be my preferred 
way of uh, getting sober was to not really have to talk <laughs> privacy. To too much. Right. But that's, that's actually part of the problem for me. Yeah. And so the solution is not uh, going to include doubling down on sort of an isolated way. Like, oh, I'll figure this out myself. Leave me alone. No, dude, yeah. that's why that's how you got here. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to work. Or as I like to say, if, <laughs> If I'm working over uh, overcoming my fear of snakes, uh, I'm not going to do it by petting bunny rabbits. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, deal with some snakes at some point, at least. <laughs> so just with the support of others, you know, and that's what comes to mind. And that can show up. That's a very, I, and, I, and I mean it to be a very broad and kind of loose phrase. It, it could be anyone, anywhere. It could be someone I know. It could be a sponsor or a family member. It could be more casual acquaintances. It doesn't matter. It's just with, you know, in the world with other people. Yeah. Now, that said, a lot of it uh, for me focused on the recovery community, uh, which is one of my favorite topics, but not everything about, it. you know, not all the support that I recognized was coming my way and I was able to receive was out of the recovery community. Mm -hmm. There were you know, friends and parents and, mm -hmm. you know, family members and, and, and everything. So, you know, I don't have to, I didn't have to do it alone. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Even though prayer and meditation is an inward practice and in that way, it's a very individual thing. Um, it, it's, you know, it's not something I want to do outside of a community of some kind right. or as we say no no one can do my inner work for me but i can't do it alone yeah. that's one of the paradoxes of of god and of spirituality in my experience at least yeah gosh giving me so much to think about you know i was thinking about how opening myself up to the presence of god is also a way of opening myself up to other people because yeah. you know what i'm saying it's like i do yeah, and for me, my understanding of God now is that God is in everyone and everything. Literally, everything that I see around me is an expression of God. Every living thing and every non-living thing. It's all God. It's all made of the God stuff. And so um, moving from that internal isolation, even though it's, it's, it's kind of um, paradoxical because, like you said, meditation is, seems like an internal process, but... It seems like turning within, but it's turning within and turning without at the same time because I'm uh, I'm loosening up the boundaries of myself that I'm, you know, isolated as being stuck in this internal ego self, you know, that I am somehow so separate from everything else and everyone else. Opening up to the presence of God opens me up to the presence of everything, opens me up to the world, to the universe, which includes other people. So there's always spiritual paradoxes at play and things, yeah. you know, um, but it definitely uh, beginning to practice that prayer and meditation was um, a way out of the isolation to me and a way into the peace. Again, learning to um, learning to allow things to unfold in my life rather than forcing them or thinking that I had to figure them out. So the way it worked was this. I used to think that I had to figure everything out, right? I had to figure out how things were going to go. I was going to get this job and then this was going to happen and the next thing was going to happen. So learning to turn it over to God was the first step out of that, right? Okay, so now it's not me anymore. Now it's 
I, I'm releasing it to something else, right? I don't know how to explain this, but then, then it turned into like, not God is going. So first I thought that God was going to do all this stuff for me. I was giving it over to God, but now it has evolved into something more of just allowing things to unfold through me. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It does uh, to me. Yeah. So it's, it's, so nobody, I don't have to make something happen and God doesn't have to make something happen either. M myself co-creating with God, we can just allow things to unfold as together. they should. Together, co-creating, like we talk about in unity. Yeah. We, we are co-creative beings. We co-create our reality with God. Love that. And yeah, and so, it, you know, it's just a different way of understanding how things work, but it definitely has led to way more peace for me. And, you know, it's not like I become this, like, high spiritual being that, you know, only engages in this high level of prayer. I don't believe in there being, like, you know, levels of prayer in that way, because, um, you know, we tend to, in unity, we tend to think that a certain type of prayer is coming from a higher consciousness and that, you know, we talk about not um, not beseeching God or that kind of thing. But And I get what that means because we're wanting to come from a more empowered place of us being co-creative with God. Right. But I have to tell you that some of the most connected, transcendent moments of my life have been when I was on my knees begging God to help me. That's all I can say. That's my personal experience. Um, that surrender that I absolutely cannot do this by myself anymore. Please, God, help me. And that is what you might call a beseeching prayer. But to me, that is still coming from a very high consciousness because it's saying that I in and of myself cannot do this alone. I need God. I need my higher self. I need divine mind. I need source, whatever you want to call it. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's almost like that, that act has a lot of power because of what's going on. It's, it's almost like we kick open a door yes. by being in that place and just yep. saying, you know, F it, I can't do this anymore. Yep. I cannot, it's a surrender, right? I cannot go on. Yes. I cannot go on. And, and it is a surrender. And that is the beginning of a whole new way of being. And so Absolutely. I'm kind of with you. I mean, the kind of t what I call a talking prayer and asking prayer, that's not my, that's not my go-to, but I never look down on anyone if that's what they're doing, because I have been there yep. too. And I have experienced the power of that particular approach. And and it's not like, you, you know, we get so cerebral sometimes yes, in our movement. It's like, oh, I'm going to sit there and choose the optimal, the, the most spiritually correct prayer practice. Oh, well, You've never drank yourself into the hospital, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just sense that. Yep. <laughs> I yep. can tell you have never been kind of under the world's boot, you know, with yep. just ready to cash it in. I mean, there is a there is a true gift of desperation, as yes, we is. say. And one of the gifts of it is that all the rules go out the window. Mm -hmm. I could care less what somebody thinks about this kind of prayer. Or that kind of prayer, because I know that prayer saved my life. Yep. And it's not all, you know, politically correct prayer or whatever the heck that yeah, would be. Though, so, I mean, like we're talking about the the overarching purpose to me of a prayer and meditation practice is a more full experience of God's presence. Right. That's right. what it's all about. The, the an experience of God's presence. And so prayer is practicing 
the presence of God. That's my go-to. That's my approach of choice. But, you know, I I never feel like I'm doing it wrong. If I, you know, if I angry and want to yell or, or whatever, that's all fine too. As long as to me, as long as I return to practicing the presence of God, I I haven't done it wrong. I'm with, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Um, There's no wrong way to pray. You know, the, 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 the only issue, the only mistake I could make would be to say that there is. Yes. Or to not do it because you're too caught up in doing it. Right. right. Yeah. I'm either, you're the, I'm either doing it or I'm not. Or doing it robotically because you're trying to do it properly. And so there's no heart in it. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. You know, it really is about practicing the presence of God. And I have to say that I experience God in many, many different ways. There's times when prayer and meditation is just sitting quietly and just enjoying a few moments of deep breaths and the peace and the release that comes from that, that is one aspect of the presence of God is just that peaceful presence that is always there. But those moments when I've been on my knees and begging for help, I felt God come rushing in like a wrecking ball or like a tsunami or something. That was a very different type of experience of God, you know, and I think that they're both legitimate. God is, if God is truly all as we say in unity that god is it's all god um then god is going to sometimes be quiet and peaceful and god is sometimes going to be fierce and loving and you know a force for good that comes rushing in to help in those moments of total surrender of totally not being able to do it on my own anymore and like i say those have been some of the most transcendent moments of my life when i actually felt a presence. I felt something that wasn't previously there come rushing in to be by my side. And those moments have deeply um, impacted me. Yeah. It's like the prodigal kid. I'll call it the prodigal kid story. Yeah. Right. Where the kid goes off to riotous living. And when the kid comes home, uh, the story says God is running toward the child to place a the cloak child. around him and a ring on his finger, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's I've I've had those experiences as well. I think they're all, um, you know, they all have a place on along the path. Yes. And yeah, it's uh, you know there are other Christian like other Christian traditions denominations. It seems like particularly some of the conservative ones like. Um, the Pentecostal tradition, Southern Baptist yeah. tradition. So they, you know, they have a sort of strong classical theism theology that's doesn't right. that's not really my thing. But I'll tell you what, if you want to feel the spirit move, yes. go to the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. And you probably will. Now yes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel connected with everything that's going on. I already know right. that. But that doesn't mean that that power of that felt presence isn't there it is there absolutely well and so you know every everyone has something to offer i think on this Mm -hmm. path and i try to be careful not to um, dismiss anyone's particular practice if it doesn't make sense to me that's because it's not within the realm of my experience it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be doing it or or whatever it's wrong or as uh tom shepherd said to me other people are not failed attempts at being me Exactly. I know that's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, they are. 
<laughs> and other religions are not failed attempts at being our religion. That's right. Etc. I uh, wanted to share some a way that prayer and meditation has helped me move out of isolation into peace. And and this there was a time when this was really profound. So I used to have a worrying practice, right? It's, <laughs> A daily worrying practice? Yeah, a a formal worry. No, it's an informal (laughs) worrying practice. But what began to happen is I undertook an awareness practice, I will call it a prayer practice, a spiritual practice, is that I could see that coming now. I I could sort of tell when it was coming on. And so I could kind of redirect before it got a hold of me which was a lot easier than trying to redirect when, when I'm right in the middle of it again. And so my prayer and meditation practice helped me. It's almost like to tell the difference, like, oh, uh, you know, wow, I have this experience over here. And, oh, here comes this really familiar worry, anxiety experience. And I'm going to just say thank you, but no thank you yeah. to yeah. it. I'm not going to fight it because that guarantees that it will take over. Right. But I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on that train. Yeah. I, I'm not, I can't let go of that analogy. That's now my go-to it's a good one. analogy. I'm going to have all kinds of stupid, silly stuff to say about trains. And if you're an eighties rocker, like we are, it's a crazy train. It's a crazy, it is a crazy <laughs> train. That's right. Yeah. So I just have to quickly say something about what has worked for me in in um, adopting and sustaining a daily meditation practice. And this is just what worked for me, but this is what I teach in my community, take it or leave it. But I told myself that I was going to meditate for five minutes a day, five, five minutes. Not like I'm going to become this guru in a cave up in the Himalayas sitting there for 30 (laughs) minutes at, you know, hours at a time. No, five minutes. And, but I do it every day. And sometimes I meditate a lot longer and sometimes I hit those five minutes and I'm done off to the next thing. But it's like brushing my teeth. You know, it's a prophylactic thing. It is something that I do every day that some days it's deep and profound and amazing. And some days I just get it done and go on with my life. But over time, there comes to be a cumulative beneficial effect from it. So, and I, let myself mix it up with different types of meditation too. That's just my other thing. Do whatever type of meditation you feel like doing in that day. Well, we have said a whole lot about this topic, which is one of our favorite topics. So let's step way back if possible and see if we can find a way to sum all this up. So Reverend Michelle, it's, it's the portion of our show where I I put you on on the spot. Uh, If someone came to you, and asked or said, I don't like the word God. How can I be part of a recovery community? What might you say that that could be helpful or share your own experience? Well, um, what we say, you know, in unity and in recovery is you can call it whatever you want. You know, God is just sort of a shorthand, you know, for the very the varying experience of that presence that we all have. So um, it could be, you know, it's the God of your own understanding, both in the 12 step recovery program and in unity. It really is the God of your own understanding. And I believe that it's a very personal thing. And I believe that it's something that's always in flux, always changing. My concept of God is always changing, hopefully always growing and expanding, but it's always changing. It's different on any given day. Um, So it's just something that we each have to discover on our own. So 
just do the do, do the prayer and meditation. That's where my mind goes too. Is is uh, sometimes we can and I have get stuck on the word God. Well, chuck mm-hmm. that word out the window. Then yeah. don't you don't need to use that word. You can use the word spirit or universe. People say or B Y O G. You know, bring bring your own God. You could yeah. borrow someone else's yes. God. That's that whole you know. Do you believe that I believe thing that could help yes. us get started and that phrase god as i understand god mm-hmm. or maybe i don't even understand god and that's fine yep. but i i always come to what you just said let it grow and change yep. just allow it to grow and change and it absolutely will well we'd like to give you an affirmation today that you can use to solidify these ideas and so our affirmation today is this In times of quiet prayer and meditation, I connect with the God of my understanding. And again, in times of quiet prayer and meditation, I connect with the God of my understanding. And that is all we need to do. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful. And by the way, if you don't agree with that description, please message us. hear from you. But we're going with it, you know, until someone says otherwise. And we hope that you found something in all of our chuntering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion as always. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us a comment with your thoughts and your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have an awesome week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.